Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Pace and Space podcast, the official but unofficial podcast of Kyle Kuzma. I am your host, Calvin, and with me, as always, my co-host, Leif. And Leif, I got to ask you a question. What do you think is disintegrating faster, the condition on Mar- Markel Fultz's shoulder or his his NBA career? Oh. <laughs> ah. Ah. I wasn't ready for that one. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie there. Right I, now, it's a battle. <laughs> I, I, had, I had I had to dig I had to dig on you a little bit on that one. You know, now we're hearing his timetable is indefinite. After it was supposed to be a couple of days to rest it, I don't know what's going on with this guy, man. You know he's gonna miss the season, right? He's gonna miss the season. He's gonna come at come back and he's gonna be a beast. So, well, he right. would not be a Philadelphia 76er top prospect if he didn't miss a full season. Exactly, you know that. I think that was Jalil Okafor's mistake. He should have missed the first season. Yeah, he, he probably was still got his his option picked up. I know he played through that. Was, you know, classic mistake. Played through your played through, stayed healthy. Should have never did that, Okafor. <laughs> <laughs> or he should went into the D League first. Yeah, the G League now. Well, he could go to G League, but he probably he probably refused that. Oh yeah, well, you they know, keep acting like he can't play, but he, he all right. I mean, we know he can play. He, that one game, Embiid didn't play for rest. Embiid, I mean, Okafor got on the court and he did his usual Okafor thing. So, the guy can still play, but now we know there's a kind of a staring contest. They didn't pick up his option. Now he's saying that I'm glad they didn't pick up my option, and I hope they trade me because I want to play, which. It's understandable. If I was him, I'd want to play it's too. Fair. Yeah, it's a fair thing. They, I don't know, man. They've, they've kind of really botched it, the whole Jaleel Okafor situation, right? Yeah. I mean, we spoke before. They should have definitely have traded him before before all of this happened. Yeah. They, they knew they weren't going to bring him back. So that whole not picking up his option was no surprise there. It's just really confusing and seeing how they really botched this up and didn't at least get some value for him, but now he's not really worth much. So you're going to hang on to him and keep him on the bench. And when Embiid doesn't play the second of a back-to-back, you're going to play him. Is that what you're hoping? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows how willing he is even to do that anymore. I mean, yeah, it's playing, but at the same time, he's, he's kind of in, he's kind of in a pole position where he could, just give them a hard time, be stubborn and, and put them behind the eight ball and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to play that way. Either you put me in for regular minutes or don't put me in at all. And then it's going to be a really toxic situation if it already isn't. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time seeing. I mean, he says he likes to play the game. And for the fans, he cares about the fans. He's just mad at the team right now. So I think he'll still go out there. He'll still play and put and show face but at the same time he's not hiding his frustration and rightly so i'll be frustrated too yeah and you know this isn't even like a nerland's noel situation where he's kind of a headache off the court he's kind of being problematic anything like that i mean for all accounts he seems pretty pretty much like a stand-up guy for the team. I know he had that one incident in his rookie year, but that was about that was about it. 
And you could probably blame, you know, drunk, rowdy Celtic fans as much as you could blame him for that. So, I don't know. Yeah. He hasn't done anything. He, even when everyone was taking pictures of Simmons and Bede, Fultz, and somehow Robert Coverton during the off season, yeah, you, you didn't hear you didn't hear him complain about anything. You didn't hear him post. You didn't, he didn't say anything. He was just quiet. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I'm like, yo, this is very weird. Like, is he being quiet because like the Sixers have him in some kind of chamber or some kind of training regimen that he's gonna come back and be this awesome player? Or is he really just this mellow dude who's not going to say anything? And I guess it was, he was just this mellow dude not saying anything. In fact, I kind of wish he said something. I, I wish he spoke up a little bit and just said, look, you know what? Since I'm not part of this team, you're not going to include me anything. Just let me go. And Isaiah Thomas said it today. Like, you're talking about him like he's a scrub. He's not. This guy can play. Yeah, he can play. He's got talent. Guy's a great scorer down low. Um, it's kind of hard to find the the right fit for him. He's he's not a great defensive center. Not really a strong rebounding center. He 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 has to go to a very particular team, or maybe if he's in a situ another situation, you start seeing that those other things go up because now he's motivated. He wants to, you know, show what he can do. But either way, a change of scenery is is. is definitely needed for him and i hope he gets it soon I really do where do you think he'll go where do i Where's think he? he'll go ah oh, man I, I i don't really know i'm trying to think of a team where he he makes sense and it's kind of hard to find a, a a good fit from him in in my eyes anyway what about you i could see him in san antonio <laughs> that's like the go-to san antonio can can flip any player around, right? Yeah, I can see him there. I can see Pop saying, here's 20 minutes, you know. Um, Alters doesn't even want to play the center position. You still have Paul Gasol there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd be fighting. He'd basically be taking some of Paul Gasol's minutes, who is approaching 40 and probably wouldn't mind playing a little less, to be honest. <laughs> He wouldn't mind playing a little less. He wouldn't mind sliding into the into the four. He wouldn't mind that a little bit. So it kind of like kind of like working them around. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. So I mean that's a a, a place. And there are other teams out there. I mean, he could go home to Chicago. Chicago, yeah. He could go to Chicago. I, I don't know what Chicago would send back in return, but he could go he could go there. I mean, they got Robin Lopez there. Uh, they they could probably they they would probably like to move on from him though, and that contract. Mm, I don't know. Just it's kind of hard for me to find a, t- a team that makes a a ton of sense for him. I just had the team in my in my mind, and it just poofed. It disappeared. Oh, I was thinking Memphis. Memphis is a good one. I was thinking Memphis. You know, Marcus All, he, he stretches it out to the three point line now, and he's a good defensive center. So that's somebody that you can probably put, put him together with, and, it, and it's like a, a good pairing. Cause they, and he's not somebody that. Mar- Marcus All is not someone that's always crashing the boards. So that's that's somewhere where Okafor can, can take that part of it, do his thing on offense, 
there'd still be some spacing on the court, and he wouldn't have to ask yeah. him to be a defensive anchor because Marcus Saul can do that. Yeah, but then at the same time, I mean, Okafor, his he moves like molasses. He barely moves. He's like yeah. Then you're two very slow-footed guys on the court at the same time. Yeah, it's not like you're running Anthony Davis and Boogie out there. You're talking about no, no. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about some of the slowest four <laughs> or five you ever see. It's like, what are y'all doing out there? Um, hey, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's places out there. I, I still think. I mean, I even thought Cleveland in the craziest sense, but I don't even know you want to go in that toxic place either. Yeah, I mean, so let's just go. I mean, that's a nice segue because another thing we want to talk about and kind of mentioned it a little bit with bringing up Isaiah Thomas is the Cavs. And what's going on with the Cavs right now? They're three and five. They're losing to teams you wouldn't expect them to lose to. But not just that, they're just they're getting outplayed. It's not even like these teams are just having fluke nights and beating them. Like these teams are outplaying them. They're they're playing them off the court right now. Yeah, it, it's really embarrassing. What do you think it is? They they just don't fit. I just don't think they fit as a team. And I think they still have the biggest issues that they had last year. I mean, yeah, they were good enough to run through the East, but they were not a good defensive team. And then that, and that bore out in the NBA Finals. They couldn't get a stop to save their lives. And I think you're in a situation now where in the short term, you've made your team weaker in that by, through that Kyrie Irving trade. You, you got a nice return back for him, but the key piece is still on the shelf in Isaiah Thomas. So he's not healthy. Even when he comes back, that doesn't help the defensive end. So at best, you're looking to just outscore teams. And Jay Crowder hasn't looked good so far. He hasn't looked like he's in shape. And to be honest, he was a little overrated as a defender anyway. But I, I thought maybe at least... In this situation, he could just focus only on defense, and maybe you'd get that bump back a little bit. But Dwayne Wade doesn't fit on this team. Uh, you know, somehow they don't have any point guards at all, even though they they acquired like three this year. And LeBron has to play point guard. You're trying to play Love at center so that you can get some spacing back out on the court, but he's not a good defensive player. And you're already terrible on defense. It's just a mess. It's they're, they're all all these guys are another year older, a little another year past their prime, and they still have the same issues and but without the same strengths like they had last year. Yeah, I agree. It, it it's really really bad. I mean, of course you're looking at LeBron. You're saying LeBron, he's King LeBron, all the stuff. We get it, but he's a year older. Yeah. Um, he's already said already, oh, you know, I wish I got, I, I need to get better in better shape. So he's already called himself out on that. You're looking at the team and there's no identity. And these other teams who they're playing, they're hungry. They're trying to make a point. And when you're playing a team like the Cavs, like the Celtics, like Golden State, you have teams who are going to come out and who's ready to show what they got, and they're going to come with, with everything they got. They're going to sh- show off. Yeah. Who have experienced, they're veterans, but it doesn't come together. I mean, the whole 
wave thing. You brought wave to the team. To me, that's like a friendship pack. I don't want to see that. To, for me, Wade, Wade and LeBron's relationship is better left on a banana boat. Mm. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be on a team. Now he's on a team. Now you're playing him twenty minutes, and twenty minutes he's averaging seven points, and he looks awful. No matter how many ways you try to cut it, he looks awful. He looks every bit. He looks. He doesn't look thirty-five. He looks like he's forty-five. He doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. And now you're trying to tell us and try to tell us, oh yeah, you know where where we having team only meetings and we're trying to discuss, trying to figure out what's going on. The problem is, like you said, this team just doesn't gel. Now, granted, do, do I expect in a few weeks, they're going to run off eight, eight game winning streak. Yeah. I expect Hmm. that, but this is not a team who's playing for the regular season. This is a team that is prepping for, the postseason and right now you don't see it it just doesn't look good i gotta be honest i don't even see that that eight game winning streak run right now i i think a lot of things would have to change before they inspire that kind of confidence in me they they just don't look ready they don't look right and you know, Tyron Lue is struggling to find the best five-man unit. And now Tristan Thompson is out for about a month. So that's another player down. He, you know, he, he hasn't looked good, but he, he's still been one of the better defenders on the team. And this is a team dying to find some kind of defensive presence so they can get stops. They don't have the offensive firepower that they're, they're used to having. So defense is even more at a priority. And the other thing, too, is they're older, they're slower, and the league in general has gotten faster this year. Exactly. Exactly. Look at the East. Thinking about the East right now. Right now, the East has a bunch of young players. The teams are young. Yes. You got guys who are – but these guys are young. They got energy. They're fast. Mm -hmm. They may not have the skill, the experience that the Cavs have, but what they do have is youth on their side. So yeah, they're gonna run laps around you. You're gonna try to, you know, play smart and slow the game down. They're gonna run you out the gym, and that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's true. So they got to figure out an answer. Jeff Green, come on. I hate to say it, but Jeff Jeff Green is trash. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Yeah, yeah, he is. I I I don't understand why they thought that was. A good signing for them when they made it. He he's not someone that really fit it fit what they need. You know, Jay Crowder was more of a, a need for them, and you know, Jay Crowder can't even get minutes over Jeff Green some games. Jeff Green's getting a lot of minutes on this team. He's not really producing like someone you would think is like a first choice over some of these other rotation guys. And, I mean, this is a team that's really looking at J.R. Smith as their best wing defender right now. So think about that. You chose, now, this is is crazy for me to even say, you chose Jeff Green over Jefferson. Richard Jefferson, yeah. And, I mean, Richard Jefferson, I mean, that wasn't necessarily crazy in itself. I mean, the, the dude is almost 40. But Jeff Green, I didn't even know he was still in the NBA. Oh, man. 
I don't even know if Jeff Green knew he was still in the NBA, but it's like when they signed. It's like when LeBron was on Miami, and they got Rashard Lewis, and I was like, really, Rashard Lewis? Where was he? Yeah, that's a similar. It's a similar signing. I think they're kind of yeah, at the Rashard same Lewis point in their careers too. Let's get Rashard Lewis, Shane Battier, and Mike Miller, and we'll call them rotational players. Stop. I mean, they would. <laughs> I mean, LeBron would kill to have Shane Battier right now, though, or at least yeah, someone yeah. of that caliber. There's, there's no player that really fits that mold on this team, and you know, that's the. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing right now. They don't, they don't have any point guards. And they don't have any defenders. They don't have really have anybody that can play defense. Um, their best units right now, or even with Isaiah Thomas, their best five-man units are going to severely sacrifice defense because you need love on the court. You need Isaiah Thomas on the court. And to be honest, you need J.R. Smith on the court. He's mm-hmm. one. Of, he's, he's one of the best five players on this team. He is. And he said everything right so far. When they wanted to put Wade out there, I knew he, in my mind. He wasn't happy with I that. I think JR, he wasn't happy with it, but JR knew, JR knew I'll be back. <laughs> he probably saw Wade in practice, was like, all right, yeah. That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you might be yeah. right. Yeah, oh yeah, go ahead, go out there, let him start. Don't worry, they're going to need me. You know, because Wade's going to have to figure it out. And I, and I think that's the the thing that Tyron Lue has to figure out because now you want to play Wade because Wade's LeBron's friend. And let's face it, you're playing him because Wade of yesteryear and Wade, LeBron's friend. It's a but legacy choice. It's a legacy choice. My, Miami, for what, you, for what it's worth, when Pat Riley said, yeah, we'll resign you and we'll, we'll give you money, but you're coming off the bench, dude. Mm-hmm. That's that was straight up honest because Raleigh knew like you're not the same player. You, you know you you went home to Chicago, you put up numbers, fine, whatever. You put what eighteen, whatever. That's fine, but that's not happening here in Cleveland. And I think that's part of the problem. You I know, mean, LeBron. They're talking about a point guard. LeBron wants to run the point. Well, he he says he doesn't want to run the point, but he puts the ball in his hand. They don't have a closer. You had Derrick Rose saying, you know, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. He hasn't. He's exactly what we thought he was. And, you yeah. know, Kevin Love is doing okay. But, he's like you said, he's not he, he's not that defensive presence in the middle. He's going to get his points, and he has. But at the end of the games, they forget about him. Always. So, they always do. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, look, we have a, a six-point lead. Let's stop giving the ball to the guy who got us here. Yeah, it's it's that's been his time there. That's been his entire time there, and you know that's why I was saying we gotta we gotta free Kevin Love, but get him somewhere else. But that's not gonna happen. He's he's probably gonna finish his prime there, and it's gonna be a disappointing, bittersweet time experience. How many more years he has left in Cleveland? I think he has. This should be the the third year. So he has two his, more after yeah, this. Yeah, so he should have two more after this. Oh boy. Well, hey, you know what? It'll all be fine once LeBron, if LeBron leaves next next year, because if he leaves, then really Kevin Love should have any problem putting up the numbers he had before. 
Well, yeah, he'll be, it'll be like his old T Wolves teams again. Yeah, him averaging, you know, twenty five and fifteen, and going fifteen and sixty seven. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Oh, that's enough Cavs talk. It's just really, really bad. But then here's something for you. Yeah. Now, here's something that I noticed. I'm looking at some of the scores of some of these games, and the scores are outrageous. Yeah. Like, we're talking 140 to 114, 130. Where's the defense? Did everyone stop playing defense all of a sudden? Mm. That's a good question. Um, But like we were talking about, a lot of teams are playing faster. The pace is higher this season. And if you're playing at a higher pace, that's more opportunities to score, and that means the point total is going to go up. So even if some of these teams are playing defense, it's not going to look that way unless you unless you look at you know some of the advanced numbers. But I don't think it's really a lack of defense as much as it is a indication of how fast teams are playing this year. And we were talking about how you know some some of these teams are playing too fast for the Cavs, um, like the Rockets. The Rockets are like in the bottom third in pace this year, right? And you're like, whoa, imagine no. that. <laughs> but yeah, and you're like, whoa, the Rockets are in the bottom third. But even if they were at their pace from last year, they would still be the tenth fastest team when they were the first or second fastest team by pace last year. So that just shows you how many more teams are playing fast, and. When you look at the teams that are surprising people, like the Pacers, like the Magic, um, the, the teams like that, you got to look at the pace they're playing at. These teams are playing much faster than they typically did. Um, Phoenix is playing at a pretty fast pace, and you know all of a sudden they're they're four and four af- after firing uh, Earl Watson, and there's just a lot. A lot of these young teams are being way more competitive than we thought they would be when we did our previews. And I think a lot of it has to do with the pace. A lot of these coaches are like, all right, I can't get these guys to get the X's and O's right. But what I can do is let them use their athleticism, let them use their speed, and that'll make up for the the lack of in-game execution. And it's working out for, for a lot of these teams. And it's working out not so much that all of these teams are winning or all these teams have found something and they're like new contenders now. But it's working in the sense that now they're competitive. Now they always have a chance to win the game. I mean, look at the Nets. The Nets are like the top offense in the league right now. And so it's just a matter of pace. It's speed the game up. A lot, and Well, a lot of it is pace. A lot of it is shot selection. If you're If you're taking a lot of threes... Early in the shot clock, even if you even if you're not a top-notch three-point shooting team, as long as you shoot it as a team at like a 35, 36 percent clip, you're gonna score more than you were last year if you weren't playing that way. So I guess the entire league has realized the importance of pace and space. Exactly. Ding. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's thanks to us, but it, you know, it kind of is. had to drop that in real quick but yeah I mean you're right right. I mean the the, the game is definitely faster they're getting up and down the court they're saying hey you know what we got guys here who are athletic Um, you've heard the terminology you know he's athletic he's raw and they can get up and down shoot a lot of threes guys are making them more now 
And so that's kind of what you're seeing now. And exactly. when you look at when you look on the on a stat sheet and you're looking at like okay, point differential and and opponent no opponent points, it's like man, like everything's in the hundreds and now it's a it's really a shootout. And even when you look at the, the Golden State, you know, Golden State used to run people off the building. Now you got guys coming in there and just keeping up with them. Scoring right. in bunches, yeah. So, I guess that's if I guess that's the way you're gonna have to beat these teams. Now you're gonna have to go faster, but now you have Cleveland, who's probably still going slow, and that kind of is lending itself to the results you see right now. And the Celtics, you know, I'm gonna give them quick credit here for the injuries they suffer with Gordon Hayward, for getting Kyrie and figuring everything out. They put in a nice little run for themselves. Yeah, they've played very well. They played strong. I mean, they've been beating. They beat some good teams on this run, and you know, all credit. You gotta give them all credit. They're playing very well, and also too, I think another thing that's kind of affecting um, the outcomes of the games. And I don't know, maybe I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I'm wondering if the fact that the season started earlier this year is perhaps hurting some of those older veteran teams but helping these younger teams to be more competitive in the early parts of the season like you know some of these teams like the Cavs like the Spurs some of these teams like that where even the Warriors they the Warriors haven't looked like their dominant selves I mean they still play pretty well but they haven't been dominating like you said um a lot of, you know and the you know Spurs haven't looked that great and the Cavs haven't looked good at all like teams like this where you know they kind of just work themselves in and they know it's a long season um they're they're probably not up to their game speed yet whereas that actually helps these younger teams because these younger teams don't have don't have that level yet they're still trying to get to that level where they're where they're contenders where they're you know perennial all-stars you know these young guys this is their their, their first second or third year in the nba they're just trying to get out there and show what they can do. So maybe this is better for them. Maybe maybe the earlier start to the season it is helping them because there's really nothing for them to play themselves into. They they're just going out there using their athleticism, using their youth, their energy, and and competing. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, you do, you you are seeing glimpses of that, and so. That's why we always say that it's still early in the season. You really can't judge how the season is going to go after a few weeks. And can, really, this would have been the beginning of the season, typically. Right. And the season would be starting, like, on Tuesday or, or, or Wednesday, yesterday. Yeah. So now they've already had a couple of weeks under their belt, and now they're, they've been playing for a while. So I still think that by... I want to say in a couple of weeks by mid-November is when we'll start to see things kind of fall where they're going to, where they will kind of end up a little bit. Like you start seeing some of those teams, those veteran teams start to get their legs under them. Um, we still have like, for instance, the Spurs. Spurs still do not have Kawhi. And they, you know, Tony Parker, he's still not back. I mean, his leadership is not there. So you got teams like that who are still waiting for their vets. You got teams whose main guys aren't there. So 
it's it's still early, and now some of these teams, as they're trying to figure it out, because let's face it, in the preseason, a lot of times, the teams that aren't as good, who aren't expected to do as much during the season, they play well in the preseason. They play pretty good because they got all these guys trying to make the team and try to prove something, and I think that's kind of what you're seeing now. Look at Phoenix, for instance. Um, we're not saying Phoenix is a Phoenix has won quite a bit of games. They've gone what four and one, or let's say, yeah. But when you think about it, it's like these are the same players. Teams are going to catch up to them, and they're just going to fall mm-hmm. and start losing a bunch of games. I don't think they can keep this up. So, right. you're, to your point, like I said, it's the early in the season, um, lack of preseason, which, hey, I'm not complaining about it because I didn't really watch the pre- I don't really watch the preseason. To me, it was boring, and I don't care watching it. And the fact that it was shorter is fine. So... Now we just got to have teams prepare themselves different, differently next time to make sure that they're more re- they're ready sooner as opposed to getting in shape during the season. Yeah, I think that's a that's going to be a big uh, big key. These teams have to they have to take the preseason a little more seriously because you only got a few games now to get ready and you don't want you don't want that rust to spill into the the start of the season which is happening to some teams and I know you said we don't want to make too much of the first two weeks but I am going to go ahead (laughs) I am going to contradict that and I'm going to ask you about a couple teams to see if we think that they're legit um you know not necessarily contenders like they're going to win the title or anything but I think there's a couple teams that because of how well they started the season I think we have to re re assess and say well maybe they are going to make the playoffs and one of those teams is the Orlando Magic the Orlando Magic they're 6-2 and two, tied for first in the east with the Boston Celtics they've they've looked really good uh, Frank Vogel has seemed to get his patented defensive schemes working now in Orlando um, they're shooting the ball really well they're playing. They're defending the three really well, and then you've gotten a bunch of improvements internally on that team. Uh, Aaron Gordon looks like a monster right now. Vucevic is shooting threes now. He's stretching the floor. He's become a, a dangerous offensive weapon there. And you know the rookies like Jonathan Isaac. He's looking good. He's he's showing up, and then. That Jonathan Simmons signing is looking really good right now. It's looking really good. So, do you think that the Magic can be a playoff team now? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. And we did laugh at them earlier on, but what I think you're starting to see is you're starting to see kind of what Atlanta had did for many for many years prior to this season, and that's kind of keep most of your team intact mm, you okay. add a couple of pieces here and there and you have a team who buys into the system and we questioned some of their moves before we questioned last year when you know was it the Baca who they got we kind of questioned like like why would you do that what, what, what was the plan right but now you're starting to see how everyone's coming together they're buying in 
And it's a, a young team who you could be excited about. And I think the future can be bright. These are the, some of the questions that we had before about Orlando. Like, could they get it together? And I think Frank Vogel's doing a great job in getting them to buy in. I don't want to fully believe that this is just an early season thing. I'm, I think that they can be a playoff team. I legitimately believe that. I I agree too. I mean, I don't think they're going to stay atop atop of the West. They'll probably be a seventh or eighth seed. But hey, this early start it matters now. We could say, oh, you know, it's just some early season noise, and dismiss it. But at the end of the day, the this six and two start. These are six wins they do not have to worry about at the end of the season. Yeah. Other teams right now are still complaining and trying to figure out what's going on. And you hear, like, the CASA working internally and all these other teams are. But they're riding high right now. I know, exactly. And if they play 500 ball the rest of the season, you know, they're going to be four wins over 500. And and that's going to be good enough to maybe even get you the seventh seed or the sixth seed in the East. And if they play a little slightly less than 500 ball the rest of the year, then then they'll be around like 42 wins, and that's good enough for the A seed. That is true. So I, I I think you know they have a good coach. This is year two for Vogel. I think he's like you said. A lot of these players are the same guys. So he's had like two. He's had a full training camp, two full training camps. He's gotten a lot of these guys to buy into the system, and you know, ironically, he's gotten to he's gotten this team to play, in a way offensively, that was the was the reason he got fired in Indiana because they wanted to they wanted to play the way that Orlando's playing now. So he's actually showing that he was capable as a coach to do that, while also still bringing in some de- that defense that he's known for as well. So this is interesting. It's an interesting development. Um, I don't know how for real Aaron Gordon's changes are. I, you know, obviously the three-point shooting can't sustain itself. As a team, the three-point shooting can't sustain itself. I mean, I think they're like over 50% as a team. But they do have some real elements here that could be sustainable, like Vucevic, um, like Evan Fournier. I mean, uh, the problem with Evan Fournier before was he's like he was a one-trick pony. He was like Kevin Martin. All he did was shoot the ball. He didn't really add anything else. But now he's adding rebounds. He's he's crashing the boards for them. He he's playmaking. He's getting some assists now. You know those kind of elements are more easier to believe in than like a boost in points per game. You know. That's true. And you know, and if he's if he's become more of a complete player, that that's that's a big deal for them. So got Vucevic, Fournier, you know, even Aaron Gordon. I mean. He's he's not gonna shoot again. He's not gonna shoot this well from three. But now that he's added the three point shot, that's changed so much for his game as well. And everyone just got a whole lot harder to defend on this team. And then you bring in guys like Jonathan Simmons, DJ Augustin, that they've come from teams that know how to play the right way, and they've and they're bringing that to this team now. I mean, more so, I would say Jonathan Simmons. J.J. Augustin, he just has to be, like, a competent, like, backup point guard. But even that is more than they've had the last couple of years. So there's some positive signs to show that they could keep going with this. And Vogel, he's shortened his rotation. He He's realized that you can't play Biombo 
and Vucevic on this at the core on the core at the same time. He he's just said okay, Vucevic is my big, and then he's roll and then he's rolling out to all these other guys like Gordon, Isaac, all of these more versatile players, and it's it's paying off. Yeah, and it makes sense. You know, when you shorten your rotation, you stick with your guys. It's paying off, and we're seeing it. So, again, I'll buy in. Um, you said you'll buy in, and I think that's the team we need to add to our watch list to make sure we see how they're doing, talk about them in the coming weeks, make sure they're keeping up with it. Yeah, I agree. So the other team I want to talk about are the Pistons, Detroit Pistons. This was another team where we like we didn't see where they were going as an organization, but they're right behind. They're right behind the Magic at five and three. And, you know, they look a lot better. Tobias Harris is looking like a go-to player. Reggie Jackson is looking like a point guard again. Andre Drummond is making his free throws. So do we believe in them? Do we believe this is a potential playoff team in the East? I, I still have my doubts. I don't feel as confident as I do with, with um, Orlando. Orlando. But I still feel that they have a good chance. Um, the one thing that I do would say that I like is the way they started to use Drummond. They use him differently than they did before. Now he's more of a, of a facilitator than just standing around, grabbing rebounds, putting shots back. And I kind of see that the offense is going through him, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And they're another team who's also short in their rotation, which is good. And they're getting solid play. You, you you got a healthy Reggie Jackson. That's something they didn't have last year. You you mentioned Tobias Harris, a guy who doesn't have to worry about fighting for minutes. The, the minutes in the small forward position is his. He's using it. And he's playing exceptionally well. And the bench, the bench is giving you solid contributions all the way all the way to the tenth guy. I and you look at it, you got to like it. So I'm kind of talking myself into liking this team <laughs> now that I think about it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Archie Bradley, I, I'm not going to say he, maybe just defensively he's doing great. He's doing all right. You mean Avery Bradley, but, right? Avery Bradley. What did I say? Is it Archie Bradley? He said Archie Bradley, yeah. Wow, that's horrible. Avery Bradley. He's got looking baseball on the brain. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it, it's good. I, I'm, I'll buy in. You know what? I'm gonna buy into. I'm gonna say, they could potentially be a playoff team. I'm gonna revise what I said a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean they're looking like they did a couple years ago when they did make that eight seed. They did get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I have some. I do have some questions. I'm a little more ready reticent to believe in this team one is because i don't believe drummond's free throw shooting is going to stay at this pace i think he is going to regress back to the mean so to speak i don't think he's going to keep shooting this well from the line and if he doesn't shoot this well from the line that's going to create problems for them also too as well as they're playing there's reports of them trying to trade reggie jackson for eric bledsoe so right, which I, I wouldn't do at all. I, yeah, I feel like you finally got these, you know, 
volatile guys like Reggie Jackson playing well, and now you got them in trade rumors, and I think that's gonna that's going to hurt the locker room, to be quite honest. And you know, I don't I don't think, and I think you've risked the dynamic in the locker room for a player that's not necessarily that much better than Reggie Jackson. Right. Right. And yeah, and you mentioned it. Those rumors can definitely get get in the way. But going back to Drummond real quick, I think he can keep this free throw thing up. You do. I do. You do? Okay. I do. Well, mm-hmm. I I'm not I'm not that much of a believer in it yet and I do I do want to see what happens when they need him to to put in a real scoring effort. I mean, I I know the offense is going through through him in the sense that he's running he's running those sets in the post and finding the cuts and finding the shooters and that's cool but I do want to see what happens when the defense adjusts to that and they play him to actually shoot the ball himself right because I he hasn't really shown that he can he can do that on a consistent basis like as great of great of a season he's having he's still only averaging 12 points per game Right, and but they're not asking him to score. So. Right, they're not asking him to score, but I think eventually defensive adjustments, the the opposition is going to ask him to score. And if he can't put the ball in the hoop on a regular basis, then those those things they're doing on offense through him are going to go away. True, but again, I still feel that even when he's being when even when he's going to be asked to score, he's going to be able to score. I think he'll be able to make the adjustment. The thing that always made it horrible for him was one switching, two couldn't shoot a free throw. Now I still wouldn't expect him game on the line knocking down free throws, but I don't expect him to go two for fourteen on free throws. You know, I I feel more comfortable with him going getting these half of those in, um, and him facilitating i think that's a good look for him he's accepted the challenge it's a whole new dynamic for him and it was something they experimented with years ago with greg monroe when he was on detroit having the offense flow to him and so it's not necessarily a new thing but now when you give drummond this opportunity so far he's embraced it and i think that's playing a major factor in how this team is playing right yeah, and so I, you know, they're gonna hover around. I think they're gonna hover around the eighth seed. I think when all things, when all is said and done, I think that's where we had them in our preview, somewhere between eight and ten, um, just because of how bad we thought the rest of the East was going to be. But you know, they they've made some some real improvements, and um, you gotta give them credit for it. And we'll see how if they maintain it for the rest of the season. But that. That that Eric Bledsoe trade rumor, uh, I don't know. I think that might bite them in the butt. Yeah, it might. Um, so I want to actually I want to talk about another team, but I want to talk about another player specifically in that team. So maybe we can wrap those old, those things together. Um, another team that's doing well, surprisingly, is the Indiana Pacers. They're also five and three, like the Detroit Pistons. Pistons, and the reason I wanted to bring them up. More specifically, was to talk about Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is having an amazing season. I, I mean, we we talked about that Paul George trade, and we we're like, mm, I don't think they got much for for him, and we we weren't that high on Oladipo. 
and things like that. But he's come in to this team. They've given him the, the keys, essentially, and he's having a, a phenomenal season. He's having a phenomenal season. Um, Sabonis is having a strong sophomore campaign as he as he takes Miles Turner's minutes as he's out with injury. And the Pacers, they look pretty interesting, man. They do. They they really do. I'm, I don't know why I'm not overly surprised with Indiana. I just think we didn't know what to expect from Victor Oladipo. Yeah, we knew that we knew that Miles Turner was going to have a good year. We kind of expected the same from some of the other players on the team, but to see that Oladipo has accepted this opportunity and is playing at the level he is, I think that speaks volumes for that team to have that confidence to to have that confidence to make that trade, which we thought was horrible at the time, and. I'm st- I still question that that trade, but it's making me question it a lot less now. So, That's yeah, great. they look great. They do. I mean, he's average. He's at, he's playing like a go-to scorer. He's almost at 24 points per game. You know, they've had some they've had some good wins recently. They they beat. I mean, they played the the Cavs off the court the other night yesterday, and that was in Cleveland. Right. You know they they played them off the court in Cleveland. Demontis Sabonis he's been a, he's become a double double machine now, and he's just really playing really good. I you know they might have they might have found a diamond in the rough in him. He seems like he could be a really good player. I I am curious to see how him and Miles Turner work together because his breakout has come while Miles Turner has been has been sidelined. So we'll have to see if they can coexist. If they can, I mean, that's pretty special because Sabonis can shoot the three. Miles Turner can shoot the three. So it's not necessarily like you can like you can't play them both together. The spacing will be there. Um and it's interesting. Yeah, it makes me almost wonder when you look at a team like Indiana and you look at players like Sabonis and Owen Depot. It almost makes me wonder, are there other players out there on teams? And I know there is. There are. team Players who are on teams who will be, do much better somewhere else. And that was the case with Owen Depot when he was on OKC, when he was on Orlando. I mean, Sabonis, he was on, on OKC. And he would go through a game or two where it's like, wow, this guy is really good. And then he would just disappear. Right, and now he's in this position where the team doesn't have that many doesn't have that many expectations. They go in just you're starting, and you're playing well, and you're kind of forcing the team to say, "Hey, we gotta play this guy. <laughs> we gotta exactly. We 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 need him." And I know OKC is not looking back and saying, "Oh man, we wish we kept him." Because they do have Paul George, but you do have to look back and say, "Man, look what they, look what we had." You know, it's true. It, it that's kind of that's all you really can ask for a player who's traded to say, "Hey, stick it to your former team and say, hey, look what I'm at now and look what I'm doing." So, I like it. I, while we are talking about Indiana, I do want to say. Um, just because those players are performing so well, including um, 
Joseph, Lance, is he, I guess he's not even needed. He's not. Yeah, I think that was the other thing with the with the Pacers. I kind of saw this team being dominated by Lance, both like in the locker room and with the ball. And I just thought it was going to be, you know, the team doesn't really have much, and he's gonna he's gonna see that there aren't anybody else there to to combat him as an alpha male, and he was gonna kind of just dominate the ball. But they're not really playing him that much. He's he's playing behind other guys, and he's really just kind of faded into the background. And that that actually is a big deal because I think him not dominating the ball and now putting it in the hands of guys like. Darren Collison has been a pretty good point guard for them. Collison, Oladipo, um, Corey Joseph, you know, putting it in the hands of these guys who are both younger or make better decisions with the ball, I think has really been key for them. And it's really ignited this offense to be something that we didn't know it could be. Yeah. And that just goes in line with what we talked about before. These young teams going in there, just playing. Earlier season started earlier. They're taking advantage of these opportunities. And the three teams we just talked about are all in the East. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we said that. We said that the East was up for grabs. We These aren't necessarily the teams we thought would, would make the, the impact. You know, except for like Detroit, we wondered if Detroit might, you know, work their way back into the A seed or not. But Orlando, we didn't see this at all. Indiana didn't really see this at, at all. I mean, although I, I, we did kind of mention there was like a sliver of hope that Oladipo could become a number one guy if now that he was in Indiana. Um, but you know, it it is also still early. Like these guys can like hit a cold spell, Miles Turner comes back, and then Sabonis and Turner can't play together, and then you got to figure out a new dynamic. There's all kinds of things that can happen. But, I mean, these these three teams, these are might, these might be looking like the, the three teams that finish, that round out the, the bottom of the East for the, playoff, for the playoffs. And they're going to be in that discussion the whole way. And now it's, uh, it's it, made, it made the East a lot more interesting. It made the East a lot more interesting. All these teams that I thought... Well, both of us thought we were like not even gonna play anywhere near 500. They're they're there now, so the fact that they're above 500 now means that I would assume we could expect them to at least hover around 500 the rest of the year. Now you never know, the the bottom can fall out on on one of these teams, two of these teams, all of these teams, and then it looks more like what we thought it would. But you've got these three teams. Philly's at four and four now. Um, you know, the, the Knicks are three and four. And the Knicks, I mean, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, that's the other guy I wanted to talk about. Porzingis is looking really, really good, man. He is. He's showing it that this is his team. He is. I mean, he, he looks like a like a true number one option on a team. Uh, the other night where he just obliterated Jokic, that, that was pretty impressive. I wasn't, yeah. you know... They still this they still don't look like they're gonna make too much noise for a playoff spot outside of this uh this little run that they've had. But but he looks he, he looks much he looks improved this year. Um so I guess we have to ask the question and you know, answer it how you will. Is Porzingis playing this well now because they got rid of Melo? 
I think he's playing this well because they got rid of Phil Jackson. Mm. Explain. And I think he wasn't motivated. I think he was tired. I think he was frustrated with everything. And Phil Jackson just made it more frustrating, trying to stuff this triangle down someone's throat and constant, you know, this, this presence of discontent behind you. It was just something that was a major distraction. And so now that you got Phil out of the picture, and Melo's part of it too, because now you don't have to worry about Melo getting his shots and ISO. Now you have more of a team team dynamic and the ball and the offense is going through him. You know, he he is the main guy on that team. So I think it, I can't put it all on Melo. I think it's a I would say one fill to Mellow. Okay. I think this is more about Porzingis and his growth and the realization of his talent than it is um, because someone else is not on the team anymore. Um, this is third year. Every year, his points per game has increased and his shot and his shot attempts have increased. So you could say it's a direct correlation to Melo in the sense that now there's not another go-to scorer, so those shots have to go to Porzingis. You so you know, and to his credit, he's taken those those extra shot attempts and he's made the most of them. He's he's become a, a really good scorer. But I think this was always the the hope for progression of him as a player. I think he's been showing signs the first two years to be this type of player. If you if you give him if you give him those shots, if you give him that usage, and I think this is just another step in that in that direction. They, they don't really have much else to go on in terms of scoring other than him, so he has to take these shots. And he's done well with them so far. Um, they got they got some hope. They have some promise. You, you know, Natilakina, Tilakina, um, he's looked good on defense so far. I mean, he hasn't looked really like anything on offense, but he's looked good on defense. So they, there's, there's some promise there for him. You know Tim Hardaway Jr. He's had he's had a couple of good nights scoring the ball, but other than that, this is this is Porzingis' show now, and he's basically showing you what he, he can be if he's the number one option on your team. I I just to me this is more of a, a natural progression and not really the result of any omission of other people. See, I do agree that it is the natural progression of him getting better has a, a factor in it. But I think that if we went into if we went into this season with everything the way it ended last season, I do not think we'll be talking about Perzingis the way we're talking about him right now. Yes, he'll still be the unicorn. Yes, he will still do all those same things that he did last season. But the way he took off this season, I think he had to get rid of some weight and some some toxins that were blocking him and getting in his way. And now since he can get rid of all that, now he's able to grow. In fact, maybe those are things that were stunting was stunt his growth. And now without those factors stunting his growth, he's able to get to this point where we're talking about him and saying, man, like we can't believe he's playing this well. You know, he's living up to the hype even more so. I, I, I can't say that that would have been the case if everything stayed the same. You know what? And that's fair. 
and that's a fair assessment. Um, obviously, he wouldn't be dropping like 30 every night if Melo was still there because Melo would get his shots. But I do, I do think that this is this is the this is the player they were banking on him being, and he's becoming that. I don't think I don't think this is gonna be a playoff team this year or anything like that. I think they've had a nice run, but I think there's gonna be nights. I think there's gonna be more nights like the first few games of this season for them than there will be the last couple games because they they still need a defensive identity. They still need there's they still need other guys to to show up when he can't score 30 because you can't expect him to score 30 every night. And we also have to see if he holds up for the full 82 games because first two seasons he had he's had some bumps and bruises. He, he's had to miss some games. So we have to see if he can play a, a fuller season this year too. Um, but he's definitely showing he's, he's, a, he's a superstar in the making. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's an all-star this year. And rightly so. I wouldn't either. He's going to have the numbers for it. Um, and, I mean, there's not going to be too many other players with those type of numbers, especially big men in the East. Just yeah. think about it for a second. Just imagine it. Imagine you're on the floor and on the same team as Przingis and Giannis. Oh, wow. Talk about length. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's there's no uh there's no more conference, right? Nah. Well it's no. it's the two it's, captains. You could have imagine so. imagine you had Durant, Giannis, and Porzingis on the same team. <laughs> and play them all at the same time. Yes. With with Giannis playing point. Right. Przingis at power forward and Durant at small forward. Yeah. Wow. That would be something. That would definitely be something. And I mean that's 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 a crazy. That that got me excited thinking. Now <laughs> now I want to see the All Star game and see how the teams line up. It was a crazy idea when you at, in the beginning when you first heard it, but now when you think about the potential of seeing that on the court on the same team at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Taking taking three steps from half court and dunking it. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of crazy and we you know, I was listening to I was listening to I think it was the Limited Upside podcast and they were talking about the way the game is changing and you know, we all we talk about small we all, we talk about small ball and how you these teams are getting smaller so they can stretch the floor they can you know do the pace in space pick up the tempo like we were talking about but really it seems like the the way to to counter that is getting players like the guys we were just talking about if you have a guy like a Porzingis or a Giannis or even like Anthony Davis and the Marcus Cousins if you have guys like that on your team you can't play small ball you can't play okay. You can't, and these guys play like guards. Exactly. They got. They put the ball on the floor. They run the offense. They can shoot the three. They can pull up. Like Porzingis is seven three. He can put the ball on the court and pull up and shoot a three. You know how do you stop that? And then Anthony Davis and Boogie, they do the same thing. They run a pick and roll together. And 
They run pick and, and have, roll, pick and pop together. And have you seen it? It's it's it's, it's glorious. Great. It's glorious. <laughs> it's glorious. It's like this doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it's just real crazy when you see a seven foot Gumby length dude have the ball in his hands, and another seven footer sending a pick for him, and then that seven footer pops back out to the three point line, and you know he gets hit with a with a point guard pocket pass. From his other seven, from the other seven footer, and it's, there's no, there's no defense to that. There's, there's, you can't defend it. You, there's not enough guys built like that in the league for other teams to have an effective countermeasure. Exactly, and when they're getting the ball out there, they're not even hesitating. They're just taking the shot. Yeah, it's not even like, oh wow, I'm, I'm seven foot, I'm seven foot tall, and I'm about to take this three. No, it's like I got this. Yeah, and. And that's what makes it even such a bigger travesty that the Pelicans have built the team that they've built around those two guys. Like, imagine if they had a competent roster around this, around those two. Right. Because on in theory, that's kind of the, what we're talking about. We're talking about imagine having Giannis and Przingis on the same team. Of course, you don't have those same kind of players, but... I mean, Davis has that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Boogie has that. It, it's great. And you have that on the same team. It will almost make you feel like, wow, we can really do this. Oh, man. If they can get a team around them. Yeah. I mean, the way they're playing, they might play well enough to just carry them into, like, the eighth seed on, on, on their backs alone. But... I mean, if they just had a couple more guys on that team, like they could really contend because teams like the Warriors, the Rockets, they wouldn't have an answer for that. They won't. They, they There would be no way for them to combat it. I mean, and, and that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about matchups in the playoffs. And if you have them, and that's the best matchup any team could offer, really. If they had the, if they had the, the other three players to put in on the, on the court with them. So it's interesting, you know. The Bucks have a little something going on. Like they got Giannis, and if Chris Middleton, you know, he had a great game last night. Uh, what did he have? Forty points last night, Chris Middleton. If he can start shooting more consistently like that, that's another that's another duo that could pre- present a lot of matchup problems because Giannis is he's he's like a seven footer himself practically, and yeah. then and then Chris Middleton, he's like like a good six eight. With a lot yeah. of the same length and wingspan that that causes matchup problems, and he's a good shooter, so it, exactly. So you know, if he can play more consistently, he could be a really nice number two for Giannis, and and that makes them a very difficult team in the East for other teams yeah. to match up with. And I'm just curious if they can get Thon Maker to do anything. That's I mean, the thing. I mean, Kid is kind of like force feeding him into these games right now. They lost some games because because they're giving Thon Maker minutes. But that might, they might be sacrificing some wins now to get a bigger payout in the end if, if he can actually, like, turn into something productive. Yeah, I just wonder how long of a leash they're going to give him before they say, you know what, that's it. Right, right. I mean, the good, th- the good news is, is everybody's next to each other right now, the way this season has played out. Like, the Lakers are 3-4, and four, and they're only two games out of the first place in the West. <laughs> So everyone is still real tight right now. 
Uh, we'll have to see what happens by the end of November. I think you might start seeing some separation, perhaps. Um, you know, as some of these, as some of the teams that we expect to do well start getting in the groove and they start playing the way we're expecting them to play, we might see some separation. But right now, you know, a team like Milwaukee, they can afford it because they're, no one's really going to pull away from them at this point in the in the season. You know, maybe Boston, if they keep rolling, they could they could come out. They can come out with a with a lead in the next couple of weeks that might be hard to catch up to, but but other than that, I mean, everyone is is right next to each other. All these teams are just kind of like shoulder to shoulder, trying to figure out who's gonna come out on top of the hill. Exactly. So that's definitely what you see there in both conferences, actually. Yeah, both conferences is is the it's same. Very, it's not like I mean, Chicago, the Hawks, to be expected, right. Dallas. Kings, horrible. Yeah, I mean, there's only four bad teams right now, really. Exactly. There's only everyone four else bad teams. is is like three and five and better. Right. There's there's only four bad teams, and there's no truly great teams right now, record wise. No. So there's no one like way ahead of the pack, and there's just these four teams that are clearly below the pack. So that leaves, you know. 26 teams, 28 teams around the same same thing, around the same area record-wise, battling it out. And, and this is, you know, this is what everybody's been craving, right? Everybody's been craving this parity in the NBA. And this is what it looks like. And, you know, I got to say, it is exciting. I like the fact that, and we were talking about it last week, I like the fact that I, I can watch a game and say, I don't know who's going to win. You know, maybe I'll, maybe by the second quarter, I might know, who, I might know who's going to win if the other team just doesn't have it that night. But for the most part, there's, there hasn't been a ton of blowouts. There hasn't been really teams just lose night after night except those four teams we, we mentioned. So a lot of times you, you could say, hey, this team could be in this game. Like the Suns, Suns are 4-4. Four and four. You can't count them out in any game. They just beat the Wizards last night. They came back from a 20-point deficit, 22-point deficit, you know, um, so even those young guys like that, I mean, they're putting up a fight. T.J. Warren had a great night. Um, you know, Devin yeah, Booker. 40? Yeah, T.J. Warren had forty points last night. He had forty. Bill had forty. Yeah, they both they both traded forty point games, which is exciting. You know, and this is this is the type of basketball we're watching right now, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we needed it. We needed it. So I'm glad the season's back. I'm glad we're having games like this. It would be, it wouldn't be much to talk about if we had teams that were undefeated, and you already they came out the gate with you know Golden State, right? You know, and that wouldn't have been fun to watch. But right now, with all the teams kind of bunched up together, we're starting to see some exciting play. We're starting to see, like you mentioned, Olin Depot and Porzingis, guys who are, are are performing. We talked about Blake last last week. All this is exciting. The Sixers are doing well. The the Lakers are right in it. I mean, all of this is really getting us a lot to talk about. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited about the season so far. Yeah, me too. I am too. It's it's great to see. Um, but you know, before we go, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up like we've been doing lately. We're gonna go with Leif. You're gonna give us your dude and dud of the week. Oh yes, yes. Ready to go. 
All right. Where should I start? Let me start off with my dud of the week. My dud of the week is going to Dwayne Wade. We spoke yeah. about him already. He is just awful. Awful. And we talked about it already. He's averaging seven points a game. Right now, he's around 19, 20 minutes a game. If you look at it, he started He started off in the starting lineup. Now he's coming off the bench. He started getting starter minutes, and now he's not. His minutes are going down. There's a reason why. It's mm. not looking good. It really isn't. It's not working. He looks sluggish. Um, and I understand he has that friendship with LeBron. I understand he wants to win another ring. I understand all of those things. No problem. However, I just do not think this was the team for you. And part of the Cavs' performance also has to be blamed on him. And because they're trying to play him, they feel like they have to play him. If anyone was giving you seven points a game, not giving you defense, not able to keep up with the fast tempo, they will be riding the bench. He will be James Jones or Mike Millard. But right now, he is playing, he's putting in minutes, and it's just awful. So, Dwayne Wade, you are my dud of the week. I hope you can pick it up. I hope you can turn around and give us some you know, some of that high performance. You've shown glimpses, but hopefully you can get some consistency once you get your legs under you. So, all right, dud of the week. So who is your dude of the week? My dude of the week. My dude of the week is going to Kevin Durant. Mm. This is different. Now, usually we talk about Kevin Durant. We know how amazing he is on the offensive side. We know that he can score. We know he can shoot. We know all those things. But one of the things that we have to give some consideration to is how he's playing defensively. In fact, if you think about it, his defense right now, he is averaging 2.4 blocks a game, which is more than a block, more than he's ever averaged in the league. He's still keeping up with all his numbers. He's averaging around 25 points a game, still have the same number of rebounds and assists. But now we're also starting to see better percentages from him. Prior to tonight, tonight he didn't shoot too particularly well. But prior to tonight, he was shooting over 53% from the floor. He was shooting 49% from three. I mean, these numbers he's putting up, it's it's getting it's better. It's great. And his the way he's playing on the defensive end of the ball has now shown on the for the team because now they're averaging two more blocks per game as a team more than any other team in the league. So are we seeing can we usually when we think about the defense on Golden State, we usually think about Draymond. But now do we also have to talk about Durant too? And I think that's what's gonna have to happen. So Durant, Draymond, if you think about them as your your anchors on the defensive end, I mean, that's good. You gotta like it. So Kevin Durant, keep it up, keep up them numbers. You're my dude of the week. All right. I like your choices. I like your choices a lot. Those are some good picks. And, I mean, that's about it. I mean, we talked a lot today. Um, there's some other things we could have talked about, too. Um, but 
I think that's it. We're going to come back next week, do it all again. Um, we'll go back, go back now and uh, watch my Lakers on, on the second half, the doubleheader of the TNT on Thursday night. And we'll catch you next week, guys. So, as always, stay woke and stay mellow. Peace.